This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, September 26, 2014. I'm Caleb Brown. It's getting harder and harder for states to sweep their pension problems under the rug. But getting reform right will mean understanding the root of those problems. Lance Christensen is the director of the Reason Foundation's Pension Reform Project. We spoke today at the State Policy Network's annual meeting in Denver, Colorado. Is it your sense that states are now really beginning to come to grips with the fact that the issues within state pensions are not manufactured, they're not going to suddenly get better when the market rebounds and these pension funds can again earn their uh, promised returns? I think the case has been there for the need for reform for several years now, but nobody's taken it seriously because they've been able to throw their obligations off in other places or raise taxes. Uh, I'm not sure how hungry the public is for increased taxation going forward in next year, especially so, since people are still feeling the effects of the recession. Um, I haven't seen great recoveries. I've gone across the country to look at these different states. But the governors and legislators should know that they do have a problem and they need to address it sooner rather than later. Waiting for a market to rebound really is just simply betting on a bubble. And since, again, we don't have any of these crystal balls to help us predict what the future might be for our investments, and pensions are so heavily involved in investments, we need to make sure that we have proper payments up front, you know, making sure that we actually pay what we should pay in the first place. With respect to, you know, you have pension funds that are they effectively have a public obligation. Their, uh, the, their obligation is one to the taxpayer, their obligation is to the employees, and they have obligations to lawmakers, all of which uh, are essentially the same, which is to manage this money well. So it always strikes me as odd when the public statement is made, well, once the market recovers, it really feels like these are the kinds of wagers that when you're managing money on the public behalf that you know, the market broad performance of the stock market shouldn't be really have to be a part of your equation. You would think so, right? I think, though, that one thing we need to step back and look at is that a lot of what legislators have done, at least, and this is easy for them to do, as you, you just think about you know, public choice and other uh, sort of doctrines out there, is they've pushed off their oversight and ability to really look at pensions and their problems to pension boards, which are usually dominated by self-interested groups. I mean, a lot of these pension boards we have problems with throughout the country are staffed by uh, officials that are either elected or nominated from the union or those that are receiving the, 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 uh, the pension benefits at some point in time. That's the fox guarding the hen house, essentially. And when they talk about fiduciary responsibility, often the taxpayer is left out of the equation. And so the legislature, again, closes its eyes, passes on to these pension boards, and the taxpayers left holding the bag. Are there states right now, you know, we're here in late September, uh, early October, legislative sessions will begin in January. Are there states that are broadly expected to really just do the right thing in the next year or two years? I think there's a few states that are taking this very seriously, as they did in 2014, a state like Florida, where the speaker really bet his tenure in getting a pension reform done, and uh, it was not able to, to happen at the last moment. Uh, there are a few other places where the, there's dire circumstances in Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Um, 
and then of course you've got uh, places where maybe pension reform had happened recently, but you need to go the step further and include other systems that may not have been involved. So we're keeping our eye very closely on there. But again, that all happens around an election season. For so many uh, uh, pension funds and the way they're arranged on an employee's first day or the day they become eligible for pension, uh, the state is essentially making a 50, 60, 70 year promise to that person uh, in the defined benefit contribution. And uh, one of the fears that I have is that if the market does have uh, robust returns for a few years, that that actually then gives states the opportunity to again delay uh, any kind of action, but also potentially make the problem much worse by uh, what's co- providing what's called benefit creep, additional benefits heaped on the already generous uh, pension benefits, and then you know multiplying the problem. Uh, just look no further than California. Uh, they did this years ago when the star- stock market was doing great, and they didn't just add benefits, they actually went back in time and added in benefits which exacerbated the problem tremendously. And especially for those larger systems that say, well, you know, we didn't do so great the last couple of years, but this year we've got double digits in our returns. That sounds on the, on the face of it, that's a great thing, but you have to seriously consider that they've not made their benchmarks from years before. So not only have not made their benchmarks, but they haven't increased from those benchmarks. And so they're making it for a little bit of lost time, but most of the time they've lost a substantial amount of what they could have had based upon their actuarial assumptions and they have to redouble their efforts. And that's going to go into not just paying your, your normal cost or the cost to prefund the, the employee's benefit, but to pay off your, your debts that have built up over a period of time. Uh, if you're not getting the returns you wanted and you have a double-digit return in one year, you're doubling down on the market continuing to do well. But also, it, the, what they're not telling you is that we have billions of dollars that are being withdrawn from these funds every year. They've been able to, and especially, again, in larger systems, hide a lot of these problems because of you know uh, economies of scale or you know just so much money or assets within the system that they can hide some of the problems. But when you start to either um, close down a system or be more honest about your accounting, you realize that there are a lot of, there are a lot of the people in their system that are just not likely to get the benefit if this trajectory continues. The Government Accounting Standards Board, although it doesn't technically require anything of, of pension funds, it's generally observed by a, a lot of pension funds around the country. Um, do you think the rules that they are setting are actually fostering more honesty in the accounting or less or having no impact? I think it has an impact. Uh, it has an impact in the way that we can be honest about our accounting. But then again, it's not the full, it's not the full step. It's like half steps. Um, I'm in favor of uh, any approach that gets us in the right direction, even as if it is incremental. But I think that a lot of especially your municipal governments, your smaller governments, special districts, school boards, they're going to face immense troubles as they become more honest, for lack of a better term, in their accounting. Um, Of course, it's not going to force any funding, but when other markets look at whether to invest 
where people think about whether they should spend time with these cities or counties, they're going to have to think twice about that. Part of the problem that seems to be one of the most persistent ones, and I think it might be the biggest one in terms of uh, avoiding a proper accounting of the system's assets and liabilities is the fact that uh, systems use discount rates and treat that as an identical entity as an expectation of future stock market returns. And that's kind of a weird thing, and and people who who don't follow this that closely might not get it, but is it your sense that adjusting those discount rates would make the picture of health, fiscal health of those plans, make them look so bad that they're just afraid to actually take that step? I think that's one of them. Um, There's really no ability to cut your costs unless you adjust your assumptions. And and a discount rate is one of those places to do that really, really well. Uh, There's a lot of other tricks that actuaries can do to play with the numbers. But in the end, they know that uh, they don't want their legislative body to have an obligation that's so overwhelming they can't pay for it. And so you can use discount rates in a way that will help um, smooth that picture out for you, but it's not an honest look at what is uh, in ahead in the future. There certainly seems to be no appetite for the federal government to bail out uh, state pension funds that are having serious trouble. And I think Detroit gave us at least a partial picture of that uh, recently. But is there a sense that to the extent that states have municipalities that have their own independent pension funds, are are states going to be expected to provide bailouts, or are they going to be able to credibly back off and say, we're very sorry, you will now go through bankruptcy, we're not going to help you, and apologies to the bond market for whatever problems occur? Well, we can see it probably in a few different ways. One, most states would look at their cities and say, there's an ability for them to go through bankruptcy, so let them have the process. Let's keep those uh, liabilities off our our uh, balance sheets. That's one. But there are some cities, say, take Chicago, for instance, in Illinois, where it's such a massive issue and such a centerpiece of the state and the economy and just the the uh, the political culture and economy that that there may be a, a a case to be made there. The problem is not a case in favor of it, but that the mayor there might want to really uh, push that forward. So it's just, I guess, a place to place. But I think most most states are going to step back and say, you know what, uh, we know that we've probably contributed to your problem and probably have set expectations way too high. Um, we have probably um, put you in a situation where you can't get out of the situation, but you're going to have to go and find protection through bankruptcy. Uh, as we approach the legislative sessions at the state level next year, what are some questions that lawmakers really ought to be asking their uh, pension boards, their actuaries, the people who are actually trying to manage these assets responsibly? One, I think they should really get back to the, the discussion you are and I are having is what is this discount rate and what does that really mean for what they're doing? What are they investing in? Um, are some of these investments political favors? Are these um, feel-good projects that uh, may have, again, political wrangling involved? Uh, A lot of people feel very strange when the government wants to get inside their bank account, but for some reason are very comfortable with them in their pension account. And I don't understand that. I think that a lot of the legislators should step back and say, 
you know what, be a little more honest with their constituency. Uh, I'm wishing for something that won't happen. So um, they need to ask the questions. They need to be a little bit more bold. They probably should read the footnotes that they haven't read before, but also consider the payments that they haven't often made for many years into the systems, which created huge amounts of unfunded liability. So legislators should also be aware that there's a lot of common misconceptions and myths out there that they need to deal with. Uh, aside from the discount rate, they should be asking about what is the proper level of funding these uh, pension funds and systems they have. A lot of people have been led to believe that 80% funding is just fine. It, it works, but the uh, actuarial societies and other places have said, no, that's just not right. You should be as close to 100% funded as possible, and that reduces the debt burden. Another thing that legislators both on the left and or on the right and especially on the left should really consider is what are these pension costs crowding out on the other side? What preferred policy or agency or department or service that we're providing that we can't provide any further because we're paying so much in pension costs? If they start to really look into that, I think they'll find that a lot of their programs are suffering Again, it wasn't caused by the pension system, but it's been exacerbated by the public pension system. A lot of local governments uh, are paying into pension systems uh, for people who don't work for them anymore. And uh, over and above the normal cost, the, you know, the contribution to the retirement of a current worker this year, um, they're paying huge amounts of money, huge shares of payroll into pension funds. And... Uh, it's hard to get a sense of, of what that is actually crowding out. Do you have a sense of uh, uh, what that looks like, or is there any research to indicate, you know, what public services are we not providing uh, by making these payments? We did a series of case studies on those places that has, have done successfully done pension reform, such as San Diego and San Jose in California. And one of those uh, issues that kept coming up is, which of the fire stations can we not open in your neighborhood? Um, which of the libraries do we have to close down or keep open just part-time? How many parks are we closing? Which streets are we not paving this year because we have too much to pay for somebody else? And how many more firefighters and or policemen are we not going to be able to hire because we're paying pensions of, of police and firefighters that have gone before? Again, not to begrudge people their pensions. And I think that's we have to be very careful about that. But we also have to understand that there has to be a limit. And if we continue to keep taxpayers on, um, on the hook for these responsibilities, I share with my neighbors, I say, every time you see a police officer drive down the street in a car, you should imagine a, a ghost car right behind it because you're paying for two. Uh, same thing with a fire truck. And if you're paying for two but only getting the services of one, that's a serious conversation we need to have going forward. Lance Christensen is the director of the Reason Foundation's Pension Reform Project. You can read more on pension reform at the state and federal level at our website, cato.org.